Lord, thank you that you stay close to us. And Lord, we pray that we will stay close to you today, that you will come and work in our lives. Help us to be open to all that you have for us today. It says in Revelation, Look, here I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I'll come in and we will share a meal as friends. Lord, we pray that we will open the the doors of our hearts to you today and that we will have fellowship with you and that you will do all that you want to in our lives. Amen. Okay, well, this morning... I found a really good prayer that I just wanted to read out. So it's a prayer for Father's Day. We pray today for dads, for new dads, granddads, stepdads, adoptive dads, and solo dads, baldy ones, beardy ones, skinny ones, and cuddly ones, dads who tell bad jokes, and dads who dance to YMCA. Dads who know how to fix things and dads who just pretend. (laughs) Father to the fatherless, we pray for those whom this day is sadder than it is happy. Those who feel they failed. Those who are grieving children they never had. Those missing their dads or their children even more than usual. Father God, in a world where some dads are distant, absent or even abusive, We lean into your ever-present love. We know that you are especially faithful to to those orphaned, abandoned and hurt, that even if my father abandons me, the Lord will hold me close. That's from Psalm 2710. And Father of comfort, heal our wounds, restore the dignity, integrity and centrality of fatherhood, in our nation. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name and I pray that you may know love. And finally Lord for all those poor souls everywhere who forgot that today is Father's Day and we ask you to bless them in your abundance, uh, abundant grace and manifold mercy with the discovery of chocolate and half decent cards in surprisingly well stocked convenience stores. Amen. I thought that was really nice. (laughs) Charlotte, you're going to come and read for us, aren't you? Should we just just pray? Father God, we pray that, yeah, we pray that your words will just sink into our minds. We thank you that um, you're in control and nothing that we do is, um, makes the mark, Lord. It's, it's through your strength and f- through obedience to you. And we pray, we thank you for Charlotte for reading this and we pray that it, your words will bring your truth. Amen. <coughs> so, we're in Genesis Chapter 32, verse 22 to 32. Jacob wrestles with God. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them from across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. 
so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of the hip, because of his hip. <coughs> Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Thank you. Well, it's a bit of a strange passage, really, isn't it? <laughs> Go away, study it for yourselves. Don't take everything that I say, you know, as as the word of God, because you need to do your own study on it. But I've just, I've been wrestling with it and trying to study it and work out what God's saying through it. So I prayed that God would give me something to talk about in the prayer meeting, and Ian came up with this. You know, God popped it in his head. So I believe God's going to speak to us today. It's all a bit strange, so we'll have, you'll have to bear with me. <laughs> um, but we should have a PowerPoint, please. So I don't know if you know the story of Jacob, but y you probably have heard of Abraham, Father Abraham, many, many sons. I'm not going to sing the song, don't worry. But he was the patriarch of the Jews, wasn't he? He had a, a son called Isaac, who had twins, Jacob and Esau. And can we go on to the next one, please? So um, Esau was born first, and his name means hairy. He was an outside sort of person. He liked going hunting. His dad favoured Esau because he loved the, the catches that he brought home. Um, Jacob was more of a stay-at-home type person. His, he had smooth skin. The name Jacob means deceiver or cheat. And um, he was born holding on to Esau's heel. And he was favoured by his mum, Rebecca, because he stayed around the house. He helped with the cooking and the cleaning and all of that. So, I mean, it's not great that they had favourites. And then that led to some issues. But um, Esau, he was the one born first. And so he would have in, had the inheritance, the blessing. Um, but Jacob managed to trick him out of his birthright. Um, Esau came home one day after a hunt, exhausted and really hungry. And Jacob had been making a stew. And he said, oh, give me something to eat. I need some of that stew. And Jacob said, well, I'll give it to you for your inheritance. And um, he was so hungry, he was saying, well, if I die of starvation, what's my inheritance to me? I'd rather have food now to keep me alive. And so he, he was sort of did himself out of that birthright then, didn't he? But, and then later on, when Isaac was on his deathbed, um, 
his eyesight was failing him and Jacob tricked him into getting the family blessing. He put goat skin on his arms so that he felt hairy like Esau. He was wearing Esau's clothes so he smelt like him um, and he tricked his dad into getting the blessing and he had to run away because Esau was really angry when he found out that Jacob had tricked him out of his inheritance and the family blessing and he was on the run to his uncle's house um, because Esau was out for his blood and on his way to his uncle's house he encountered God in a dream there was this ladder going up to a or stairway going up to heaven and angels were coming up and down and God was at the top and he revealed himself to Jacob and Jacob realized that he was, he was not only the God of his grandfather and his father, but he could be his God too. And so he committed to follow God for himself. And even though he'd sinned, God still chose him and wanted to bless him. So then he got to his uncle's house. He worked there. Um, he got married. He built his life there. There was a bit of trickery going on between his uncle and him. Um, but eventually God told him to go back home, to take his, all his family with him. The time was coming to inherit the promise and the blessing that was promised. So we've, we've now got to the point in this story where um, Jacob is on his way home. He's terrified that Esau was going to kill him. He'd sent word. He was quite respectful to Esau. He said, I'm, look, I'm coming back um, just to warn you, you know, I'm coming back. I'm here, I want to claim my inheritance. Um, and Esau sent word to him saying that he was on his way to meet him with 400 men. So he was probably pretty scared about what was going to happen. He split his family. His family was so large that they could be split into two different camps. So he, had, he split his livestock as well. So he had two different camps of family. So his, I think his thinking behind that was if Esau killed one, there would still be half left over to survive. Um, so he sent a peace gift, a very large peace offering to Esau. And this is the point where we are now. So we've got the next slide. So quick sort of overview of thoughts of what's going on here. So we start the passage that Charlotte read with Jacob sending away... We've got the next slide, please, Kevin. Um, sending away his family across the other side of the river, ja the river Jabbok. Now, Jabbok in Hebrew means wrestling. And they crossed a ford. And the, I think that's quite significant. It was like a gate to the promised land of inheritance. So because they were about to step into this new thing, their promised inheritance, there is going to be this sort of spiritual battle going on. That's often the case. When we step into something new, there's a sort of wrestle, isn't there? A spiritual battle going on. And sending the family off could have been just about protecting them, but maybe he was just so distressed and anxious about this meeting that he needed time to be on his own, to collect his thoughts. Perhaps he wanted time with God, to plead with God. Um, he was going to step into a new future with God, so he was wanting to make sure that he prioritised time. We've got the next bit. 
thank you. Yeah, so this encounter with Seal Jacob as God's chosen one, a man of faith, which would give him a strong standing in his future ministry as he was about to step into God's calling. So it was God's way of strengthening him. Um, he need, God needed to reassure and encourage Jacob. And I think there's links there, isn't there, with how Jesus started his ministry, he went off alone into the wilderness. And also when Peter denied Jesus, um, they had that campfire time where Jesus reassured Peter in John 21. So it's, it's to help develop in him a stronger faith and a stronger character for the new task ahead of him. So we've got the next slide, please. Who is the man? So the, the man, it says man in there, doesn't it? That Hebrew me word means um, one of a kind or a man of war. And he came and wrestled. He was the one who came and wrestled with Jacob. It wasn't Jacob who started it, but Jacob didn't let go. Um, and, but the man couldn't overpower Jacob either. So the man changes Jacob's name to Israel, meaning one who struggles with God. And Jacob then names the place Peniel, which means face of God. And it says, because Jacob said, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been spared. So who was the man wrestling with Jacob? Who's this one of a kind or man of war? Um, in Hosea, it talks a bit about... Um, this encounter, and the man is referred to as the captain of the Lord's hosts, which often is God's name. So some people think that this man could have been an angel. Um, in Joshua 5.14, just before he's about to defeat Jericho, a man appears to him um, and again, he's called the commander of the Lord's army. And w when I looked up that word in Hebrew, it meant ruler, captain, master, prince, as in prince of peace, and messiah. So I think it's Jesus who came into the camp to wrestle with him. Um, and also... Only someone of kingly status can change someone's name um, in those times. Have we got the, the next bit? So, yeah, Genesis 32, 28, it says, The man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and have overcome. So I, he, he the man saying that, I don't think an angel would say that he's God. So I think it's... I think it is Jesus. Um, he's acting as mediator, which is Jesus' role, isn't it? And the next one, please. So he's un alone. Would this encounter have happened if Jacob was still with his friends and family? You know, we need corporate prayer, don't we? We need to learn how to pray. We can be encouraged by other people's prayers. It's great to be together every Sunday, isn't it, to get that encouragement um, it's also really great if you've got a prayer partner or a spouse that you can pray with. You know, they say a couple that prays together stays together. If you don't have that, it's good to have that 
prayer partner relationship to be accountable to each other, to be accountable to somebody. Um, but it's also really key that you have a personal relationship with God and spend time alone with him because that's where God takes us deeper. Um, you know, we can't hide behind other people. We have to f be challenged and face God on our own. And, you know, there are some things... I grew up in a Christian family, but there was a point in my life where I couldn't just rely on my parents' faith. I had to make that choice for myself. And, you know, when things pop up and you're struggling with debates and different topics, you know, you need to know where you stand yourself. It's no good just hiding behind other people. You need to do that study for yourself and you need to know what the Bible says. You need to know what God's saying to you. So you've got to, you can take other people's opinions, that's great, but you need to know for yourself where you stand on things too. And I think, you know, we teach chat and catch with the children, which is, it's prayer. We, we talk about chatting to God like he's there with us because God is with us, isn't he? And um, he also wants to chat back to us. And we can catch that in lots of different ways. Sometimes it's a thought, sometimes it's a feeling, sometimes it's through other people, what they say, through the Bible, through lyrics, lots of different ways that God speaks to us, even sometimes through Disney or through films or different things. God can talk, God can talk to, to us through a donkey in the Bible. He can talk to us, can't he, through different situations. And it's important to recognise that voice for ourselves to be open and honest and direct with him because he, he can face that, can't he? We can scream at him, we can be angry with him, we can cry at him, he can take it, it's fine. And it's an amazing privilege to be able to do that, isn't it? Um, Ian often starts a service by saying, who's had a good week? Who's had a bad week? Why don't you, instead of putting your hands up, why don't you just, in your mind, tell God, or whisper into your hand, tell God what sort of week you've had now. Okay, so wrestling. Sometimes in their law, a case would be settled by a test or wrestling. We have um, um, the jury system now, don't we? Something goes to court. There's, um, you get a defence and the, the victim gives their point of view. The defence gives their point of view. And I don't really know much about wrestling, but I'm married to someone who grew up wrestling with his four brothers. <laughs> They used to turn their living room, when the parents had gone out, they used to turn their living room into a wrestling ring. I don't know if it was to settle um, disagreements or, or what it was, but um, I can't imagine what that was like. I think somebody got pushed through a window at one point as well. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, I'm sure it does. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> but I do, I do know that... Um, I think Jacob was very competitive and, um, you know, things get settled, don't they, with wrestling. Um, 
I've forgotten what I was going to say. You can, you can, yeah, you can. I'm just going to find um, Hosea, who's hidden. Here we go. Hosea 12, verses 1 to 6. It says, the people of Israel, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. The people of Israel feed on the wind. They chase after the east wind all day long. They multiply lies and violence. They make alliances with Assyria and cut deals with the Egyptians. Now the Lord is bringing a lawsuit against Judah. He is about to punish Jacob for all his deceitful ways. Before Jacob was born, he struggled with his brother. And when he came, became a man, he even fought with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and won. He wept and pleaded for a blessing from him. There at Bethel, he met God face to face, and God spoke to him. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. So now come back to your God and act on the principles of love and justice and always live in confident dependence on your God. So Jacob, he was a fallen man, he was a deceiver, he was on a quest to be made right with God so that he could rightfully inherit God's promises and inheritance. His persistence to beg for mercy paid off. So I think he was really grabbing hold of God. He knew that he was about to face death by Esau. He knew that he probably deserved that. And I, I think he was just begging God for forgiveness. Um... And he was blessed, wasn't he? He couldn't overpower the man. And I, I think that um, there's, a, well, there's a really good song called Weep With Me. And it says, Lord, I would wrestle with your heart, but I won't let go. You know, we've got to, if we're going through a storm, it's very easy to hide or to run. But I think we've, we've, from this, we need to learn that Jacob really hung on to God. You know, his name, his name was changed and all the way through his life he was, he was hanging on, fighting for a blessing and he was using that for ambitious reasons to start with, wasn't he? He was very, very competitive but then God turned that around in him and he was clinging on to God because he's all we've got, isn't he? We need to cling on to him. Um... In Frozen 2, sorry, just need reference here, um, there was a wrong that needed to be made right. And they couldn't keep on going. They couldn't keep on hiding from it. They, they, need, they needed to deal with it. And I think that's what's happening here. Jacob couldn't go on with this shadow, this cloud over his life. He needed to face it and he needed to deal with it. So don't give up because you'll miss out. And God's there with us, isn't he? Um, and it, again, it reminds me of that, that encounter that, that Peter had with Jesus. He felt deep remorse for de denying Jesus, but Jesus gave him that other chance and he reaffirmed him three times, cancelling out that debt. Um, but 
and, and also King David. Nathan told King David a story to bring him to understand that what he'd done was wrong. He recognised it, and when David realised that he'd made a massive mistake, he wrote out Psalm 51, which talks, which talks about, having, have mercy on me, wash me clean, purify me, I have sinned, and you, I have sinned you, um, you will be proved right. Um, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. So his heart, a heart after God's own heart, was to repent, to turn away. But if we look at Judas, on the other hand, he felt that guilt, he felt that remorse, but he didn't do anything about it. He ran away from it and he hid, he hid from it and it led to disaster, didn't it? So... Can we have the next bit, please? Um, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are they who recognise their need for God. And Jacob did. He, he needed God. And then it also says, Blessed are they who mourn. And I don't think this is just about mourning the loss of a loved one. It goes deeper. It's, it's mourning for all our past mistakes. It's mourning all that sin in our life. It's re- recognising that we're not worthy to be face to face with God. Um, and we need him, we need his grace, his mercy. So we cry out to him for repentance. We ask, because we can't do it in our own strength, can we? We can't do it on our own. We need to turn to him. We need that, ter- that time one-to-one with him. And he's the one who helps us to turn away completely. In Proverbs twenty-six eleven, it says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats its foolish, his fu- foolishness. And it's God's way of turning us around. We don't go back to that. We change our ways. And we can only do that by coming and asking for help, coming to God, asking for his help to change us. Because it's his spirit in us that, that take, turns us. When we come face to face with God, when we beg for for forgiveness when we're deeply distressed by our sins we cry out and we're comforted so ask God to show you where you've made a mistake ask him for forgiveness and and ask him for help to change your ways and yeah we said haven't we Jacob was born grabbing hold of his brother's heel and here we see him grabbing hold of God not letting go in both cases, he's struggling for, uh, he's grabbing hold of a blessing, struggling for a breath blessing. So God rewards persistence, and we see, we see that in the New Testament. It talks about the persistence of people, and it pays off. So what are you wrestling with God over? What are you really hungry for? What are you fighting for? Um... And the next one, please. So Jacob's hip. We see that Jacob didn't escape consequence. You know, his wrestling with God for mercy was one. His persistence paid off. But when God saw that he couldn't overpower Jacob because his persistence was so great, Jacob's hip was struck. He's, he's only still standing because God allowed it. And it's interesting, I was trying to get information about wrestling. 
So somebody wins by holding their opponent down for the count of three. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus rose on the third day. He wasn't held down. So he, you know, Satan hasn't won. Jesus got up. And it said, uh, you know, about the folded um, grave clothes. When, when a napkin's folded, it's mean, it means that it's not finished. And it was Jesus' way. When he folded up the, the head bandage, um, it's not finished. He's coming back. He's coming back to win. I thought that was really interesting, you know, the, the link with the wrestling there. But yeah, by striking the hip, it's symbolic of like the reproductive powers. So it was God's promise that Jesus would come. One of Jacob's descendants would take the ultimate consequence for Jacob's sin. And we see that in Isaiah 53, 4-5. Let's see if I can quickly find that. It says, Yet it was our weakness he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we, we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins, but he was wounded and crushed for our sins, he was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we are healed. All of us are strayed away like sheep and we have left God's paths to follow our own. And yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. So I think, you know, It's a, it was God's way of promising that, you know, Jacob was fighting for mercy. He was wanting that. He was being persistent, and that was rewarded. And then um, he he was promised this Messiah that would one day come and take that blame. And then he was left with this limp. It said he walked away with a limp. And that's a very real daily reminder, isn't it? It was that it was a real encounter. It wasn't a dream or a story. And the Israelites then didn't eat from that area as a, a reminder to pass down from the next generation to the next generation a physical memory. Um, and in his, his writing, Paul also refer, refers to a thorn in his side, which is similar, isn't it? Reminds us that we are weak, we're dependent on God. And then the next slide, we've got um, dark and light. So this all happened at night time. Maybe, it, you know, they travelled at night, didn't they? It was cooler. But also, it's at night time that we wrestle with our thoughts, our sins, our temptations, our worry, we self-examine, and it's in the dark that we face reality and fear, isn't it? Is it harder to wrestle these things when we're tired as well? And this, this encounter also shows that light overpowers darkness. And Jacob hasn't even noticed the time, you know, they've been wrestling all night. 
it's like a fast, isn't it? He's sort of given up sleep to say that God's more important. Normally fasting, you give up food, but I think, what's that saying? Sleeps for wimps. So he's wrestling all night with God. God's more important. And then the man's eagerness to have dealt with this quickly before daybreak, maybe that was because the... um, you know what he was talking about last week about the he couldn't see God face to face. Maybe because Jesus hadn't yet come, there was that he wanted that sort of that veil, you know, that mystery. Um, and it could have meant instant death for Jacob. He's God is brighter than the sun. <laughs> And humans don't live through such an encounter unless we have divine grace. So now Jesus has paid for that sacrifice, we can come directly to him as children of God. I mean, the people who saw Jesus, they, they were with him all the time. They didn't die, did they, because of God's grace. Um, yeah, and have you noticed that then it's Jacob that realises that it's God at the daybreak, the light reveals the truth. And then there's a change of name. I've got the next slide. Um, Jacob, and the next one, sorry. Thank you. So we know that Jacob is um, means deceiver. He's already asked, the, well, he asked the man what his name is, but the man's already answered, because it's, that he's, it gives the, him the new name, Israel, which means he who struggles with God. So he's already given his name. And when God changes people's names, it shows us that God's changed their life. It marks how Jacob's been, how, how he's moved from being an outcast to the heir of the covenant promise, the chosen leader of God's people. It shows God's authority over him. So I wonder if God was to change your name or when you became a Christian, I wonder what God's new name for you was or is. Have a little time just thinking about that. Of course, we're called children of God, aren't we? Precious daughter, beloved son. We have to hang on to those names that God give us, gives us that's what gives us our strength. Of course, um, I've said that. Um, yeah, so if we choose to follow Jesus for ourselves, as Jacob chose, God sees us now as he sees Jesus. Because Jesus came to wipe out all of our past and he looks at us now as his beloved child. Okay, so then he meets Esau and it's amazing that Esau runs out to meet Jacob and embraces him affectionately. He's let go of all that bitterness, all that anger, and now there's forgiveness and peace. So it's amazing how God went before him, isn't it, and changed. You know, I wonder if we sometimes we're a bit like Esau. Is there stuff that we're holding on to? bitterness, anger that we need to let go of 
and be more like this Esau, running and embracing people? Can we actively try and focus on positive rather than being negative? It reminds me of the father running to meet his lost son in Luke 15. And Jacob's wrestling with God, his begging and pleading for forgiveness paid off. It meant that there was peace. And the next one, so Matthew 3 says, God blesses those who realise their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. The blessings of God come only through the gracious provision of God, not from our own strength or our skill or our craftiness. If we don't recognise our need for him, he may bring us to the point where he shows us our strength and sufficiency. Self-sufficiency is not enough. You know, when we stare death in the face, will we plead with God to save us from eternal damnation? Don't give up, grab hold of God. You're in a courtroom, you're pleading your case before the judge and jury, and someone pays that fine for you on your behalf. Thank you, Jesus, that you've done that for us. Thank you that... We owe you so much. Just help us to give our whole heart to you. Amen. Shall we say the grace together? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.